Hello and welcome to episode 230 of Slamfire Radio for November 3rd, 2017. I'm one of your hosts, Trevor. And I'm Adriel. And I'm Kelly. Kelly's drinking. Yay! <laughs> it's going to be one of those Kel- shows. <laughs> it's going to be Kelly's 104. Yep. No, probably not. You finished your one and only. Drink? Yeah, right? Or did you bring the whole bottle? I drank the bottle. Now I'm... Uh, <laughs> Looking for something else. <laughs> good for you. Good for you. <laughs> Dig deeper. Dig. Just take all those feelings and emotions and cover them in whiskey and everything will be okay. Yeah. Expensive whiskey, too. 15-year-old single malt. It's good stuff. That a girl. It's like yeah. Nophilophagus was here earlier, and we'll, we'll hear about that later. But the first thing he said when he <laughs> came through the door is, pour me a whiskey. <laughs> it's like, okay. What'll it be? Scott, bourbon, or rye? And, uh, yeah, so I guess it's a thing today. Everybody needs a drink. So, listeners, sit back, relax, pour yourself a glass of your favorite single malt, and let us fill your ears with soothing sounds of gun talk. Unless you're driving. (laughs) Unless you're driving. (laughs) Then pull over, throw your keys out the window, (laughs) and then drink. There we go. While sitting in the ditch. Yeah, that works. Speaking of sitting into a ditch, why don't we talk about what we did this week in guns, which, of course, is brought to us by the Calgary Shooting Center, which is um, Canada's premier firearms retailer. Anything new going on there this week? I don't see anything posted here in the... uh... (laughs) So, hey, take it. I'm laughing because I'm typing as you're just saying that. It's not coming up on the thing. If it's no, on, he needs a teleprompter. Oh, you know what? They have their SIG open house days, November 25th from 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. You can go and try out all their SIG stuff. There we go. Sweet. There you go. Speaking of SIG stuff, no, hmm, that's a bad transition into a competitor. Yeah, no. Don't go yeah. there. We can talk about it later. <laughs> all right. Um, so shall we? Are we going to move on? What yeah, we this, this week in guns? Yeah, this sure. is the part where we talk about right. what we well, did in guns. Yeah. What? This is the part where we talk about what we did in guns, right? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Same. Yeah. Same part every week. Same place. <laughs> uh, I went and picked up my uh, my new ten twenty two, kind of like a birthday present I bought for myself. So we talked about it on the show. Well, Kelly and I, I were. Last week. Yeah, I bought it on the show. Uh, so that would have been Thursday night, and I picked it up on Monday after work. Um, checked out Ruger's website has a section on there where you can check the year your 1022 was built based on the serial number. And uh, unfortunately, it's not as old as I thought. It's still pretty old. It was built in 1984. And given the year, it's in excellent condition. There's a few dings on the stock that I think I'm going to um, take out with. I'm going to try and take out with the damp cloth and iron method (laughs) that kind of like steams out the dents. So I'm going to give that a go. And I might take the barrel to Denis to be reblued. There's a tiny, tiny, tiny amount of microscopic surface rust in a couple of little <laughs> places. I think some ballastol and steel wool or even a scotch bright pad would probably take that off. And, and uh, you probably couldn't tell. But I, I don't think I'm going to. I'm not, certainly not going to bother with a full, full restoration. So uh, you happy with it? I am happy with it. The I I took the um, oh and my other ten twenty twos were both made in twenty eleven. So I got three. How many 1022s. do you have? Three of them. I got three now. Huh. 
shopping for a fourth actually working on a deal where i trade a gun safe for one why i don't know doesn't when you get into a gun platform you get into a gun platform like first the (laughs) skss and now the oh man well brian boulevard was now looking for a 1022 and i said well what you really need is you need three you need one that's old school so you have that right trevor yep got my original one all squared away right and then you have one that you pimp out as just switch out everything, right? Yep. And you and have my you have... sniper slash uh, maple seed one. Right. And then you have one that's kind of like a combo between the two that the kids can use, the wife can use, the, you know, whoever can use it. That's just, you're not putting a lot of money in, but it's still a good rifle, right? Exactly. It's the one that uh, is Cerakoted, the receiver Cerakoted, the barrel Cerakoted. It's got a camel stock. I can throw it in the back of the truck. I can take it hunting. Yeah. Totally. Yeah, you don't have to worry about you know getting it bumped or anything like that. So you now have the perfect family of ten twenty twos. You're good. Well, I could, yeah, but you know, you could always use more. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Because I think I need a kid ten twenty two. The, the kid accessories are amazing. So, but uh, you $600 know, six hundred dollar trigger. I know it's ridiculous. It's so sweet. About, Sorry. They don't make them like they used to. Well, that applies to a lot of things, and it certainly applies to guns, and it certainly applies to the 1022. So we take my Cerakoted 1022 with the camo stock, take the charging handle, and you rock the bolt a few times. Try the trigger. Okay. Then you take the 1984 1022, and it is night and day. It's so incredibly noticeable, the difference in the smoothness of the action, the trigger, everything. I have a Volkortsen bolt upgrade kit in my Magpul 1022, and I have a Volkortsen trigger and hammer. And uh, now the triggers aren't comparable. You can't compare the the triggers. The trigger in the 1984 1022 is good. It's better than my other 1022. Not as good as the Volkortsen, but the action, the bolt, and the charging handle in my fancy schmancy Magpul 1022. Yeah is not really any better than the factory one from 1984. Yeah, yeah, that, that action is so smooth and so clean and buttery. It's, it's amazing. The difference, like you look at the charging handle that is in the, um, my camo 1022, if you were to disassemble it and remove the charging handle. So the charging handle has the call it a guide rod and recoil spring set up all in one. Uh, it's actually pitted right from the factory. Like it's not a nice piece of steel at all. Where I always talk about the quality of the Remington five nine seven, and to use the word quality and Remington in the same sentence is kind of an oxymoron. But the guide rods in my five nine seven are polished tool steel. With there's two guide rods, there's two recoil springs, and it's a very good action. It's very smooth, provided you don't over tighten those screws and they bow and cause binding in the action. Um, but the guide rod and spring in my Camo 1022 literally has pits on it. It's pathetic. And the one from 1984, yeah, not so much. So um, so while I was exploring these 1022s, I was talking on the show last week, and I said to you, Kelly, something like, this is the, the oldest 1022 or the first vintage one I've held or something like that. And, of course, mm-hmm. 1984 is not vintage. But um, Filthy sent me a message after listening to the show. He's like, no, Trevor, you've actually held an older 1022 than that, you held Mike Pospolita's. Now, Mike uh, Pospolita was at the uh, Maple, Maple Seed. Seed Fest, yeah, yep. and that 
what his daughter was shooting and he shot. And uh, anyway, yep. Mike has a Canadian Centennial Special Edition 1022. Well, yeah, now really? I, yeah, I've seen it and held it apparently, completely forgot about it. There's a medallion embedded into the stock with the Centennial. It's a centennial medallion, medallion. So, like, you know, this year was Canada's 150th anniversary, and we had that all those flags and emblems all over the place. Well, yep. back in 1967, the centennial, there was the same kind of thing, right? So that medallion. I don't know. Neither of us, none of us were alive at that point. Right, but we've all seen some kind of <laughs> leftover centennial junk in our grandparents' apartment or house sure. or whatever while going okay. up. Right. Anyway, the centennial emblem medallion is embedded into the stock and the emblem for this centennial is engraved into the top of the receiver and i think i looked it up uh, after talking to mike and um, there was a quite a limited number of them made anyway and so if you're a 1022 collector especially if you're an american 1022 collector to find one in the united states is is increasingly more difficult because uh you know they were made specifically for Canada, but there were actually some like factory one-offs that didn't pass QC that they sold to employees. Oh, really? So, yeah. So the, even they're even, you know, even rarer than uh, than the ones that made it out there because they have a, a, a they did something to the serial number to designate them as factory one-offs or something like that. So yeah. anyway, um, yeah. So there's a little bit of 1022 historical knowledge dropped on you. Uh, and then I, uh, what else I do? I rearranged my gun room to make room for more guns because, right? I just looked at uh, the way that my guns were on the wall, and I looked at pictures of other people's gun rooms who use like slot board and pegboard at how they're arranged. So I rearranged all mine to maximize the space. Uh, oh, and on Sunday I finally made it back onto the reloading podcast, so I was able to hang out with uh, Jim and Jason and uh, Mike. Uh, unfortunately, the other host uh, Jeremy wasn't on, but um, I'm sure we'll get caught up with him next week. So that was good. Um, now things are slowing down. I'm looking forward to being a regular on that show again. And then I started shotgun shopping. Snuffleupagus uh, sent me some Facebook messages last night about these guns that he was looking at buying. One was a Weatherby 20-gauge pump-action shotgun, and the other one was an SKS in an ATI stock, not a Tapco stock, because that matters, right? No, it doesn't. <laughs> nope. Mm-hmm. And uh, Anyway, it was a good price for both guns. So I said, yeah, definitely go check them out, because I probably want the shotgun. And I talked to Adriel about the shotgun. I talked to Jason Philp about the shotgun and um, a couple other people, and he went to check out these guns. That SKS would be considered um, super great uh, when you buy an SKS. Like like the the people selling SKSs, the distributors that sell SKSs to dealers, grade them based on how original they are, whether or not they've been re refurbished, refinished, whether they're matching numbers or not. So the condition of this. SKS is as nice as any I've ever seen. There's not a blemish or a mark anywhere on it. It has its original finish. It was dropped in an ATI stock. However, he still had all the accoutrements that came with it in the original box. The uh, stripper clips, the oil bottle, the cleaning kit, um, all of the all the stuff that you get with them. Although I think the sling is missing. He still had the bayonet. The sling is missing and the wood 
for the front handguard is missing. But he still had the original stock. So he brought it all here tonight. We ripped the ATI stock off of it, reinstalled it in its original wooden stock. And um, Denis, of course, uh, at the, my local gunsmith, he has uh, at least one full set of wood furniture off one of my SKSs. So John can go down there and get the replacement handguard. Um, and it's his first SKS, so he's actually pretty excited. And he was happy with the price he paid, considering the... Uh, "Quote unquote quality of it. The Cosmoline's not even been cleaned out of it yet. Like it's taken out of the box, thrown in the ATI stock. We check the firing pin and the bolt, make sure it's free floating. So for the listeners out there that hear, uh, you know, um, Adriel, I know you're aware of this. Kelly, you may be aware of this. I'm not sure, but uh, SKSs have a, I guess, a dangerous reputation of having slam fires. So what happens? It's not an SKS problem." It's a maintenance problem. Well, it's, it's an SKS and Cosmoline problem. People don't pull the bolt clean. apart and clean the firing pin channel, and you get a bunch of Cosmoline like caked up in there from a couple rapid-fire bursts with, with your SKS, and all of a sudden you're getting hot, and that stuff gets, gets uh, kind of jellied, so, and so firing pin yeah. doesn't go anywhere. Yep. Yep. So, I mean, I still think it's not an SKS problem. If they... Had, they it, it if the cosmoline is not cleaned out of it, it's a problem. Yes. Um. It, otherwise, it doesn't happen. So, yeah. If you get a if you get an SKS before you fire it, you need to remove the firing pin from the bolt and ensure that that all of the cosmoline from that area is cleaned out of there, and that when you rattle the bolt back and forth or shake the bolt back and forth, like you're trying to mix a can of spray paint, you should hear the firing pin rattle back and forth in that channel. If you don't, you need to disassemble and do some cleaning. And there's a ton of YouTube videos out there on how to do that. So Yeah, get in there with something that's uh, petroleum-based, like uh, gas or kerosene or lighter fluid or something like that, and a pipe cleaner. And that'll that'll dilute that uh, cosmoline and get it out of there. Yep. Get aggressive. Yep. It's all and, steel. Uh, You're not going to hurt it. Well, Just exactly. Oil it after. Yep. So the um, shotgun was a Weatherby, but, and Adriel, you can jump in here. Weatherby wasn't always made in Turkey, correct? Uh, well, I know that uh, part of the reason why you see so many Turkish uh, knockoffs of the SA-08 and PA-08 was because they're <laughs> taking that Weatherby design and uh, and working off of it. Um, I'm not sure on history of them, but I do know that that's why uh, you do see a lot of that uh, of examples of that action um, in Turkish shotguns today. And what did you say? PA08? Yeah, that's the pump action one. And then the SA08 is the uh, semi-auto. Uh, okay. So you'll, yeah, cool. you'll, you'll see those versions out there. Um, and that's that's one thing I noticed with uh, that Partis, for example, uh, mm -hmm. was that uh, you can take uh, the, is it, is it the gas ring? It's the ring of steel that's that's also the seal on the uh, on the tube from the semi-auto one from an, uh, a Weatherby SA08, and you can pop it onto this uh, Partis shotgun, and it it, it works just fine. Mm. Yeah. So this says Weatherby on the receiver, but it also says made in Turkey, and it does say PA08, um, and uh, it says peso. R-O-B-L-E-S-C-A, California, Weatherby, Peso, Robles, California, I guess. But anyway, again, it says made in Turkey on the other side. Um, 
the bolt looks very, very similar to the bolt that's in my Cincinnati 870 clone. So I can only uh, guess that the Cincinnati is also a Turkish shotgun. Um, I've always been apprehensive of Turkish shotguns. The partist that uh, Mark Giroux bought from me, remember when uh, Wholesale Sports was selling those partises for like 300 bucks, Adriel? Yep. Yeah, well, I bought one because um, you called me. I was on my way home from work, and it's only a 10-minute drive, and I had one bought before I got home. Um, I never, you know, I purchased a, a gun on the side of the road from my phone before, but I did that day. Talk about impulse. <laughs> anyway, um, it's broken already. Mark has some problems where the bolt is locking up inside the uh, receiver. I don't know what's going on. Uh, I've got a buddy of mine that just got the same thing happen to him. Yeah. Locking up about midway. Like, it hasn't happened to any of mine, but uh, just like a week ago, same thing happened to mm-hmm. a buddy of mine. Like, he fired it at the three-gun match, and the the spent casing or shell stayed in the chamber, and the bolt got locked up. He got it, it disassembled, or Denis got it disassembled and reassembled, and he took it out and did it again, so I don't know what's going on. So anyway, I've always been apprehensive of Turkish shotguns. Um, and the thing that worries me both is durability. Will they hold up over time? And if they do break, what is the availability of parts? So that being said, um, I, I kind of avoided them, but Snuffy brought this by, and the fit and finish is is excellent. The action is silky smooth. There's no play, like it's not like a Mossberg 500 or a 590. I mean, those are good shotguns. They're they're duty firearms, basically. They're they're meant to be rugged and tough. And um, this thing, the the action is is there's no excessive play like awesome. I, I don't want to say it's tight and make it sound like it's hard to pump it it's not hard to pump the action but the action is silky smooth how's the, the weight on it is, as a as a 20 weight, gauge is it is it nice and 20 it dude it's just like maybe six and a half pounds like nice. it's almost it's almost too light it's crazy the wood has a really really nice quality finish on it it's like glass it's really really well done the pump same thing really really well done the 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 rail is nice and straight uh, I just and I didn't pay you know well I paid 300 bucks for it so it's in uh it's been fired but I don't think it's had a box of shells to it there's not Did a it come with anywhere yeah, it started for chokes. It has two chokes and a wrench. He forgot to bring it to me, but I'll get it from him later. The full choke is installed now. I'm not sure what the other choke is. I'm not sure. How many lines it's on its it? Own. Hmm? How many lines are on the front of it? Um, Four will be sure. improved cylinder. Three will be modified. One will be full. Uh, that holds true for Remington, but is that like a standard thing? That'll be That'll be what those use. I haven't I haven't had a Weatherby, but I've had everything that like copies the Weatherby. <laughs> right. <laughs> so that'll be what uh, it is. Three. Three or modified. Three lines. Modified. Modified. Okay, perfect. Um Yeah, I don't know what else to say. I'm really happy with it, especially for three hundred bucks. Uh it's going to it's it's pretty, but it's it's not too pretty that I'm not going to take it hunting. Um I've got a a Kui from the 50s, Kui Model 84 that I've had restored that now I don't want to take hunting because it's too pretty. I don't want to dig it up. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm spending a lot of money to get the Wingmaster restored, but I want the Wingmaster for hunting, so I don't know. Then the uh, uh, Bacale, 
when he stripped the finish on that today, he found two cracks in the stock. Mm. So that's mm. unfortunate. All up around where the stock attaches to the receiver, or the lock, rather. Uh, so, whatever. Um, that's going to be used for hunting. But anyway, as pretty as this is, I bought it to hunt with. So, the muzzle will no doubt get marked up from being sitting on a floor mat covered in dirt because you get in and out of the truck and your boots are muddy and the rocks settle on the mm-hmm. floor mat and your muzzle sits in that stuff. And Well, it sounds like you're going to have a, a nice 20 gauge and a nice 12 gauge to use for hunting. Yeah, yeah, the yeah. Wingmaster and then this one for sure, yeah. So, And then uh, Jason Philp still has that um, Nova for sale and I think I'm going to try and snag that from him too. Really? So, yeah. Mm. Oh, why you want it? No, fine. No, I still haven't sold my BR99, and I'm not going to buy anything until I actually sell that. I thought you had okay. it for a decent price. She 400, does. 400 bucks. I don't want one that you know bad. Her, you know what's but good? $400 is, like, really reasonable. With three chokes, two megs. No Problem hits. is, Kelly, you have no trader rating on CGN. Absolutely. Oh, that's well, how it. the heck am I supposed to get a trader rating with... Buy. Well, buy. I have to you buy. Build, you build it by buying. Yeah, whatever. Does Kevin have a, tra- have a trader rating? Like, is there anyone who you can like? Yeah, sh- yeah, sure, he does. Oh, he'd be able to sell that thing for four hundred bucks, like in an instant, because four hundred dollars is super reasonable yeah. for one of those. Yeah, and okay. I'm really, really, really interested in a Daria Mark Twelve. Mm, one of the guys at my three gun just bought one of those, and I'm going to try it out this weekend. Really? Mm-hmm. Let me know how you like that one too. Yeah, he's uh, he's big into the magfed shotguns uh, for three gun, and he's got like a full you know setup for it. So I kind of want to take a look at that. He's also got the Mark Ten, so he's upgraded just recently here. Yeah, but, see, uh, the Mark Ten apparently wasn't so good. Like Denis called his dealer and uh, to find out if I just I just wanted a price on a Mark Twelve, and all the dealer tried to do was send him a Mark Ten while they were on the phone. He's mm-hmm. like, he was. Well, they're Way cheaper. Um, you can over-insert the mags when the bolt is open on the Mark 10. I want to see if they did do that on the Mark 12. The Mark 10 could also slam fire. So if you put a, a round in the chamber and you let the mm-hmm. bolt fly from way back, you could get it to slam fire. And I, saw that, I saw that happen. Um, which it might just, it might have a, a heavy floating firing pin. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just, it kind of needs to, like, normally you wouldn't do that. You wouldn't throw a shell in the, in the chamber and let a, uh, the bolt rip from way back. You would let it run out of the magazine, right? Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. So we'll see if the Mark 12 is like that. Supposedly, the, like, there's some better uh, ergonomics on it and that kind of thing. So it's very interesting. Oh, yeah. It, if, and, I mean, there's lots of videos out there on it. It comes with a whole pile of stuff. You get backup iron sights that are that. There's two sets of sights. There's 45 degree sights. There's the pop up irons, which for some oh, reason really? are installed backwards. Hmm. There's three magazines. Uh, one like there's one two round mag, so you I don't have it, more than three in the gun. It has a shroud on the barrel as well. That's kind of neat looking. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. The I mean, just again. Turkish, so if it breaks, can I get parts? And is it going to break? Is it going to take the the round count that my JM Pro will or my Versamax will? You know, mm, um, I don't know. and then and then how reliable is it going to be? Because okay, the the downside for three gun, I'm not starting with nine rounds in the gun with a Daria 12 like I would be mm-hmm. with a Versamax, mm-hmm. but 
Can I get a mag into the gun faster than you can quad load four rounds into the gun? Uh, you you can change your mags faster, but I can do I can quad load twice with my shotgun because one will go into the chamber and then I'll, I'll get seven into the tube. So um, on on a real quick change, yeah, you'll 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 beat me with the the mag change. But on a a higher round count stage, I'll win with the uh, the speed of d- doing double quads. Mm-hmm. At least, at least uh, that's that's what I've seen so far at uh, three gun matches. Mm-hmm. Because I mean, if mag fed shotguns were all they were cracked up to be, if they worked as well as an AR fifteen, that's all the pros would run in the three gun circuits in the U.S. So the three gun circuit in the U.S. they uh, uh, TAC ops is um, incentivized higher. There's more uh, awards and that kind of thing in TAC ops. So there's a lot of uh, like really good shooters who choose to go into TAC ops and shoot in it now, rather than on, TAC in ops open. Is a, TAC ops is a division in what in what game? Uh, three gun nation, three gun uh, nation, USPSA multi gun, uh, that kind of thing. Uh, TAC ops isn't in USPSA multi gun. Is it? No. Mm. I mean that's the that's the one that I, those are the rules that I run on my three gun. I've never heard of TAC ops. What do you guys? What's the? What are your divisions that you guys run? Limited, open, practical, iron or uh, uh, heavy metal. Mm-hmm. It may be limited. I'm not even sure. It doesn't seem. Uh, hmm. So, so hold on a second. Is it possible that mag-fed shotguns are not available in? All shooting sports, maybe like maybe it's not in. Uh, you you see them in the U.S. in open, and they'll run their Sega twelves and uh, yeah. uh, big bad mags and a comp on them and whatnot. Uh, the guys the guys running the tube fed shotguns aren't far behind though. It's not a huge like it's it's a disadvantage in training time because your training time to learn how to uh, quad load a shotgun is like s- substantial, but. Um, you can you can you can keep you can run with those guys pretty well depending on the stage. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. Um, moving on. What else did I do? Uh, to, oh, I started reloading shotgun slugs. So Captain Andy lent Muffin and I his Lyman five twenty five hundred twenty five grain Sabo slug. So this thing looks like a one seventy seven grain flat pellet. Oh, but yeah. it's actually a twelve gauge slug. Oh, those are looks. Those are so cool. How's the? Uh, so you started reloading. Have you shot any of them yet? No, nope. oh. I just loaded the very first one tonight before Snuffy arrived and uh, sent some pictures to Mike over at the Reloading Podcast to get um, his opinion on what the crimp looked like. So I've got to make some adjustments based on his recommendations. Um, but yeah, I was pretty excited when I got home. Like I got the recipes. And the data from Captain Andy, and I went home and started digging through my box of wads to see if I had. And sure enough, I had two boxes of Winchester AA wads from back in the like late '80s, early '90s. They came in a cardboard box. The whole box was like six bucks or something. So I was pretty pumped when I saw that. So I had a pound of 800x the wads and this all works with gold metal hulls so the problem is when this thing is all sealed up it looks like a just a regular shotgun gel i have to label these accordingly so yeah i can't wait to uh to see what kind of oomph i get too yeah let us uh, there's know only what kind of accuracy you get with those because that's always like loading shotgun slugs is such a huge cost savings it's just lead 
and uh, you know shot shell and and the hulls and that kind of thing is is relatively inexpensive, and you're you're replicating a, a what a, like a buck around kind of thing for factory slugs. So I'm I'm super interested. Yeah, and I mean the hulls and then the wads. Um, uh, well, the powder and the primers is really my only expense. You get the hull back. Mm-hmm. And uh, the the wads, well, the wads were part of a package deal. When they're gone, they're gone. But you can buy. Um, there's there's companies making clones of those wads, which uh, are cheaper. So yeah, I mean, uh, compared to go buying, you're right. If you buy a slug, it's a dollar slug. Yep. So, um, yeah, try them through both my uh, shotguns and see what kind of accuracy I get for sure. Uh, I'll try them compared to some. Uh, rifled factory slugs too for fun but uh and and this is a is a neat looking design like i said it looks like that pellet have you seen like lee makes a couple of well there's you can get just a plain round ball mm-hmm. that you can cast or there's the lee slug which is a one ounce slug but it's not it's not rifled uh i think it's also meant to work with a with a wad but i don't know rifled slugs versus slugs that fit in a wad i don't know uh, now, when you say water, are you talking about like a, a sabo, like a sabo slug, or yeah, these are called sabo slugs. Oh, so you need a rifled shotgun barrel to make it work, then, or not? No, maybe because well, it's a pellet, you don't care because the skirt is kind of like dragon, and, and uh, that'll give you some accuracy all on its own. I know, like there are those sabo slugs that yes are definitely designed to work in a rifled shotgun barrel, but these these. These fit inside the same kind of wad that you would put regular birdshot inside. Oh, so the, that's just your uh, your padding then, and the the skirt on it will probably still stabilize it because that'll give it a bit of drag and uh, keep it going in in the same direction. Mm. Hmm. Cool. Yeah, I'm curious to see what kind of group they're going to shoot. Hmm. I don't know. I don't know how accurate. Well, it'd be nice if they were like good enough to like shoot a moose. At a hundred yards or something, that would be cool. But yeah. I don't know. Uh, anyway, well, do you do a lot of shotgun hunting moose out there? Like, is there a shotgun season or a shotgun uh, uh, zone or something like that that you can use? No, no, uh, there's no special shotgun. Yeah. But you saw, I'll use I a know. 308. Yeah, no sense. Yeah, yeah. Um, what else? Oh, oh, and I'm starting my shopping list for uh, Almeri DC Gunsmith. So every time I talk about Denis or my gunsmith. That's the actual name of his business. It's Armory in French, Almeri, DC Gunsmith. He's having a Black Friday sale, and the details are going to be on his Facebook page. So, Adriel, I don't know if we can put that in the show notes, the, the name of his uh, business, so that they could find it in, in on Facebook. Uh, we could put a link to Facebook. We can put a yeah. link on Facebook. Cool. If we could do that, and that'd I, be cool. I want a little clarity. Are you putting your shopping list on his Facebook page, or is the Facebook page going to be about all the Black Friday sale? Um, I'm coming up with my own shopping <laughs> list because he is having a yes. Black Friday sale. And but we can, is, you can post it and see if anybody wants to buy you stuff. Oh, wouldn't that be nice? That'd be nice. How many of these pictures do they have that are yours? <laughs> it always seems like he's working on something that's yours. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, uh, right now he's working on two of mine, and then there's other. There's at least two or three other things I want redone this winter, but or refinished this winter. I'm also trying to save money for a, 
a modern barometer, and I can't do that if I keep buying other stuff. But mm. anyway, whatever. Um, yeah, so he's having a Black Friday sale. He's now a Vortex dealer, a Winchester dealer, a Browning dealer. He's got Shadow 2 in there. He's got a Para Ordnance Double Stack 40 um, Ipsic pistol all ready to go for standard division. He's got a what color is it? He's got a Gen 4 Glock 17 in there. Might be gray, stealth gray or whatever. A whole bunch of stuff. I'll uh, I'll pop the yeah, link oh, into yeah. uh, into the show yeah. notes so people can yeah. take a look. So, Adriel, what about you? What have you been doing? Uh, 1911 stuff, I guess. Well, I took some people from work shooting. Uh, took a group of... To break in your gun for you? <laughs> yes. Here, guys. <laughs> I'm, too, I'm too good to shoot my own guns now. This gun <laughs> needs breaking in. I want you to put a couple of hundred rounds to it for me, and then I'll try it. Please reload mags yourself and just do whatever you want I don't break in to. my own guns anymore. <laughs> don't you know who I am? People uh, buy me subs. Yeah, I will not... Uh, I will not help with your grip you can shoot it and the recoil will be substantial because you don't know how to shoot it <laughs> properly but <laughs> no i actually did try to make correct their grip and, and have them shoot it properly uh, I, I saw a couple stoppages and i'm like uh-oh uh-oh but then i tried shooting myself and it's like no it's fine they're just limp wristing it so uh <laughs> yeah it was, it was it was awesome man it was it's so nice to shoot shoot a really heavy gun i, I have a one of my first guns was a narinko 1911-45 but back then, I could not shoot very well. And uh, I thought it was the gun. Oh, it's a Norinco. It's not accurate. No, it was me. Um, and since I've been shooting like primary uh, polymer-framed uh, striker-fired pistols, they get they, the recoils more. Like, I'm a big guy. It's, 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 I don't get a ton of recoil out of them anyways. But the recoil out of this thing is like nothing. The slide moves. And that it feels like that's the only thing moving on the gun. It's just a slide. Uh, it comes back on target. Uh, nearly instantly. Uh, the reset's so nice on it. Man, it's just, I forgot about shooting 1911s and, uh, and how much fun they were. I know, right? Oh, yeah. Huh. Like, I, I, I wouldn't carry one. So long. I, I, no, I, I, I look still at wouldn't the, carry one. Uh, the, the guys in the States that carry 1911s like, man, you guys are crazy. This thing's heavy. <laughs> like, yeah. Cram a, gl- a Glock in your, uh, in your pants or something like that. But for just shooting, just straight shooting up at the range, like, oh, my God, the, the trigger's great. Uh, the, uh, the weight's fantastic. Um, I was making, like, I was, I was shooting uh, uh, some targets at uh, 100 meters uh, just because I was, like, with some uh, friends at the range kind of thing. And, uh, yeah, like getting some decent hits out there. And, uh, you know, that's like tons of pistols out there are accurate enough to make those hits at 100. But uh, I could take that second shot like pretty quick afterwards because uh, it just doesn't remove a heck of a lot. Uh, what did I do to it before and what did I do to it after? Man, I've, I think I've, I keep doing stuff to this thing. So I put the magwell in. I fit the uh, trigger to it. The, uh, I got a, a Faxon uh, K-hole trigger. I think I mentioned on the last show. I had to uh, to fit it to the uh, frame itself because the frame was a little bit tighter. So I had to kind of. It was. It's just aluminum. Yeah, you, so you were fitting it on the show. You're talking to Kelly in the background. We can hear the sandpaper going. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, I was wondering if that would get picked up by the mic. I guess it did. <laughs> totally did. Yep. <laughs> It's very, it, it's a great trigger now. It looks great too. <laughs> uh, let's see. So I got that in there. I got the Magwell. I've got some great uh, grips on there now that uh, 
<laughs> kind of looked like a, an elementary school project because I 3D printed some 1911 grips that say Glock Perfection on them just to uh, just to kind so of mess wrong. with people. <laughs> uh, it's just uh, it's just now Cerakote the gun black. <laughs> I could. Hmm. Yes. Hmm. It's not like this finish is fantastic. Here's what we're gonna do. Ship me the gun. Mm-hmm. I will get Denise Cerakote black, and then Captain Andy do the trigger. Ooh, this is gonna have to happen over the winter because. Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna I'm gonna try it at uh, at a match this weekend. Here, we've got a we got. <laughs> this is a great idea, right? I've had this gun out a total of once, uh, which is more than I had the Glock out before I took it to a match. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> I'm gonna go to a match on uh, on Saturday here, a three gun match, and I've already got my belt set up for it. Uh, I've got a, like a Blade Tech holster, uh, some I don't know what those are, <laughs> some mag pouches. <laughs> for it and uh yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna run it in a match because hey why not uh what else i do to this thing oh i cut the uh slide stop it had like a, a real big extended uh slide release slash slide stop and uh the way i had my thumb riding up on top of the safety when shooting it it was like just touching the tip of my thumb and that's enough to stop it from locking the slide back uh, so i had that happen a couple times so i opted to uh make it better and dremel it smaller. So I cut the uh, ex- uh, extra pieces off there. You know, if I was doing a, an order from Brownells or something like that, I would uh, I would order the proper one. But as I want to shoot it this weekend and I can't really be bothered, I just cut it with a dremel and repainted it. So why not, right? Uh, I no think reason. that's it. I put some skateboard grip tape kind of thing on the on the front just to give me a little bit of extra grip. It looks, looks like grip tape. I don't know. <laughs> grippy yeah it's very it's very it's uh, the gun's very grippy the the glock perfection now like sticks into your hand like really hard so it's not it's not going anywhere (laughs) um i did shoot my hunting rifle last week and sighted it in and then i got home and i'm like oh man i should go pick up another box of ammo and i looked at the ammo what is this 140 grain eld match so that's not going to do for hunting uh no (laughs) so I went to Wholesale Sports. They're still doing their clear out thing. And I got some 120 grain, 120 grain TSX. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that should do the trick. So a little bit lighter for, for caliber, but uh, it's a copper bullet. So it'll handle that extra speed. I got some Reloader 17. Mm. And I will have to make some bullets on Friday night to shoot Saturday after the match. To then go hunting Sunday, and I'm I'm gone all week, dude. Hunting how Sunday. Long, how long you got for? <laughs> a whole week. I'll be uh, I'll be out hunting uh, whitetail deer, moose, uh, mule deer, grouse, coyote, anything, any like not anything if that comes moves. by, but basically anything <laughs> walks by. I think I've probably got a tag for it. So <laughs> yeah, nice. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's gonna be a good time, but. Yeah, I'm 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 cutting it super close with this. Like, I'm gonna make up uh, thirty or forty rounds, so I can really uh, shoot for groups uh, at the range. Um, oh man, I didn't even put that in the show notes. Our range what? opened up the long range, so Chaz now has a dedicated pistol bay and a long range. So they've got two hundred uh, meters, three hundred, five hundred, and eight hundred. So nice. I don't I don't have to guess as to the the drop at long range. I can now shoot it at the range and verify with uh um you know with targets 
uh, the drop at long distance or medium distance, which is uh, kind of cool. Ah, uh, oh, these bullets look so good. I always liked TSXs. It's just it's so hard to uh, to find load data for them, but these ones had load data and they had the powder for for that load data. So yeah, I'll mix some of those up and hopefully hopefully they're good because I don't have the luxury of time to try something else. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, so I'll, uh, get ready for hunting next week. And, uh, I sold my Stoger M3500. Um, someone from work, their, uh, significant other is getting into three gun. And he's like, I need a shotgun. Do you have, do you have any suggestions? I'm like, yes, I'll sell you my 3500 for a very decent deal. So, uh, so he's nice. got, he's rocking that now. Yeah. Yeah. I think, uh, I think that's all I did in guns this week. Uh, Kelly, what about you? Absolutely nothing. <laughs> Wow. No, right. I didn't. No, Still it like rained. Matthew. It rained all last weekend and working all this week. Other than prepping for our maple seed that's going to be happening on the weekend, didn't do really anything. Hmm. So, yeah. Where's the maple seed this weekend? It's at home in Kingston, so it means I get to sleep in my own bed. It's Weird. going to be glorious. Huh. Yes. Yeah. But that's it. So. Cool. All right, upcoming events. Adriel, three-gun matches. Go. Uh, well, that's, there's that three-gun on Saturday that I mentioned that I'm going to. Man, it's so cold out here. It just snowed like like crazy amounts, and now it's like minus 10, so it's, <laughs> it's going to be our cold-weather shoot, <laughs> shoot of the year. And uh, that's, those are always fun. Maybe the 1911 isn't the right choice to take out when it's cold and nasty outside. <laughs> light, light oil. Light oil? Like REM oil, which is basically water. Hmm. Mm. Yeah, we'll see. You, need, you can't run a 1911 dry, mm-hmm. but if it's cold, you can't use anything other than the lightest, thinnest oil. Uh, you know what? I always, uh, I always like practicing my remedial drills, so uh, this could be a, an excellent opportunity for that. There you go. Uh, also on Saturday is the PFI Canada Vancouver Island Three Gun Nation shoot. So uh, there's uh, those two events. Uh, couple weeks after, on the 18th, will be the PFI Canada Vancouver Island 3-Gun Nation. It'll be a shoot or uh, practice. So that's uh, that's pretty much it for the month. Cool. Uh, do you want to do the uh, raffle as well? Yeah, the uh, Bone is Not Alone uh, fundraiser. Uh, we're taking raffle tickets uh, via EMT to slamfireradio at gmail.com. Uh, $5 each or 5 for $20. The money is going to help out uh, the family of uh, Richard Bone. It's sponsored by SFRC, the Calgary Shooting Center, and Matador Arms. SFRC has donated a BCL-102. That's that non-restricted 308. Calgary Shooting Center has donated a Smith & Wesson SD9VE in 9mm. And Matador Arms has donated their Sabretooth chassis for your SKS. So uh, winner of the raffle takes it all. So this is, uh, this is a bunch of really cool stuff and uh, an excellent cause as well. Yeah, thank you to the boys over at Canadian Patriot Podcast for um, talking about this on Monday Night Show. Really appreciate that. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Um, and the charity shoot. Charity shoot will be held on the 7th of July, the Resigus Gun Club in Balmoral, New Brunswick. Uh, more details will come out as we approach. Um, Kelly and um, the Wookiee are going to work on sponsorship. We need to discuss things like entry fee. Announce the the charity has been selected, but uh, we'll we'll announce it a little bit later on. 
Um, it's a local thing tied with ties to the gun club. Um, what else? Oh, the shooting. So yeah. the shooting will be um, like in years past. We start at the back of the range and we work our way towards the front of the range. So we'll start off in the morning with a steel challenge. So we'll shoot four stages, official steel challenge stages on our brand new fancy schmancy official steel challenge targets built for us by none other than X-Metal targets. Um, then we'll go to the, to the front of the range and we'll shoot a round of trap and a 22 silhouette. Uh, after that, we didn't talk about this last week. Then we'll do what we did a year's pass, which is we'll just all congregate on the rifle range and just have a free for all. Just shoot fun filthy usually brings a whole bunch of printed zombie targets and you just go up and down the line and chat and make friends and try each other's guns and just have a just just a range session. Just a range session. Cool. Tannerite is good to go on our range, by the way. So so are you know uh, zombie silhouette targets, uh, whatever, you know. If it's legal in Canada and doesn't um uh, violate any range rules, then we do it. <laughs> um, and of course, uh, smoke on the water will be there to uh, fill you up with tasty brisket uh, during the lunch hours. So, yeah, hopefully um, we will see you there as well as many, many podcasters from both sides of the border. I know Stick said he would be back when it was from Rusty Michigan. So, Sticks and Edith, I hope you guys will be here. Toby, Toby. You're way overdue for a visit to Canada, Toby. So, who else can we call out that needs to be Brian? Here? Brian, Brian who? Sheets. And oh, Brian Sheets. Oh, my God. He's so way overdue. Brian, if you ever. Yeah. Yep. Oh, man. Yeah. Who else? Uh, you know who you are. Crosno. Crosno? Crosno's not going to come all the way up here. He's thinking about it. First of all, I told the border about his child porn thing, so I don't, <laughs> think, I don't think he's getting in. Uh, yeah. That's for all the clowns, Tim, you, Richard. Anyway, so yeah, uh, that will be one of the uh, premier highlights of the summer, no question. Uh, news. Okay, Adriel, you want to talk about this this YouTube celebrity that came up to slum it in Canada? <laughs> slum it indeed. Uh, Demolition Ranch uh, came out to uh, Canada here. It was, I don't know if this is necessarily news, but uh, I thought it was kind of interesting. He uh, was very confused about our gun laws. And, you know, rightfully so, because it's, uh, it's confusing. <laughs> he was like, so you can, you have to go to a range? And, and they're like, well, no, you don't have to go to a range. You can use a non-restricted. But if I want to use an AR-15, I got to go to, yeah, you have to go to a range to use an AR-15. <laughs> And but a Tavor, I don't have to. No, a Tavor, you don't have to. It's like, <laughs> yes, it's very confusing the way that things are are run here in Canada. I mean, I I got the same thing off of uh, uh, a recent Ben Stoger podcast as well, where he's complaining about the uh, the laws in Canada being very confusing and uh, and onerous. So it's uh it's not just uh, Demolition Ranch that feels that way. Yeah, and Ben's been up here enough times. He has a a good understanding. Mm-hmm. Of the rules more so than others. Yeah, yeah. So, I don't know. I don't know if that's news. Canadian gun laws are very confusing and silly. Yep. <laughs> Not news. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Gun yeah. laws don't make sense. What? 
Oh, weird. Hmm. Mm. Uh, the Tavor 7 is coming out. Did you guys take a look at that one? Um, no. No? It's a Tavor in 308. Okay, next. Yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm kind of in the same boat. Okay, so Tavor 7 or BCL 102? Uh, Tavor 7. What? Really? What? Yep. No Why? way. Um, no way. Yeah. I'd go for a BCL any day. BCL's not proven yet, and NEA has a spotty track record at best. Ah, yeah, the, the the threads I've been seeing on CGN in terms of accuracy on that BS, BCL 102 have been great. Lots of people getting like 1 MOA accuracy. How much you want to bet that Tavor 7 does not come even close to 1 MOA? Mm, I'll, I'll take action on that. Are, do you guys have one that's coming in? <laughs> yeah. Yeah? No. Mm. Yep. No, actually, you don't understand betting terminology, Adriel. <laughs> she means she'll take that bet. Yeah. Oh. Obviously, you've never been to Gamblers Anonymous, so nope. <laughs> there's more. I know this sounds ridiculous, but there's more than MOA accuracy to to a rifle. Like, <laughs> what's the good of a rifle that shoots one MOA if um, parts start breaking under uh, within the first thousand rounds? I don't know how many rounds uh. are you going to put through a seven six two by fifty one, like a, a three oh eight semi auto rifle? True. True, but um, well, the Tavor is patterned off of the Israeli military rifle, their service rifle, which you got to put lots and lots and lots and lots of rounds through, right? It's got to work every yeah. time because you got to use it to, you know, kill invaders into the homeland. The T so, three version, yes. Well, I mean, there's militaries are often talking about going back to bigger rounds, right? We had George on last week saying, you know, you. You shoot a guy two or three times just to get a reaction with the two two three. You're getting penetration, but you're not really getting a whole lot of hydrostatic shock. Three oh eight gets gets your attention a lot more. So maybe this is why the Israelis developed a three oh eight version. Maybe they're gonna you know for special operations they'll uh, deploy troops carrying this instead of the two two three version. Mm. I it, it has its roots in. A military service weapon, the BL whatever, has its roots in let's make something that's black and non-restricted that we can get past the RCMP. AR-10-ish. Very AR-10-ish. Right. Yeah. But yeah. not an AR-10. Pretty yeah. close. Pretty close. Yeah. Anyways. I mean, I'm glad, you know, in, in a year's time, ask me the same question again. Oh, we will. So the only reason why I'm waiting is just to see how this, like, plays out. But I'm like at seventeen hundred bucks. I'm just like waiting with my credit card in hand for more people to say, "Yep, good. Yep, good. Yep, good." And I'm buying one of those things. Oh yeah, I, I'm like you. I don't want to do uh, first gen anything mm -hmm. because everything has a second and third and fourth gen for a reason. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah. um, better. So yeah, cool. it's worked out. Yeah. yeah. All right. So on to uh, new gun stuff. The first one here is, um, and Adriel, you put this in. It's, so the, it's Wolverine Supplies. So they they put in the uh, B&T P26 for classification. They wanted to send it to the uh, RCMP for an FRT. And mm -hmm. it came back as easily convertible to fully automatic. So the RCMP found some way of using a machine shop and nuclear scientists to get it to be fully auto and therefore prohibited. Prohibited, yeah. Mm -hmm. Interesting. What is the B and T twenty six? 
Uh, it's kind of, I don't know. It, 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 take a look at it on Google. It's, uh, it's, it's kind of like a pistol kind of a thing. So that kind of interesting, but, uh, you know. Oh, yeah. It kind of looks like a little submachine gun. Like uh, a Tech Dine kind of a thing. Yeah. Yeah. Easily convertible, huh? Well, I don't know. Maybe you can maybe you can weld something to the firing pin, or maybe you can, like, shim some piece, and it just, like, goes full auto with no control. I don't know. Def- I don't know what the... Uh, easy, I guess. Well, there is no... Know, yeah, we'll, there's no definition on it. That's a problem. Yeah, so. well, that's why they keep the, uh, the terms in the Firearms Act so... Um, ambiguous. Thank you, Kelly. That's You're exactly welcome. the word I was looking for. Yeah, I mean, take an AR-15 and like take the disconnector and uh, disconnect it. Just drill it off, and you've got a full auto AR-15 that's uncontrollable and no, w- it might blow up in your face. <laughs> oh, okay. Almost Kelly. Shh, 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 yeah. Don't shh, don't just let it go. Hey, while you're at it, uh, just weld a, a little dimple on the face of the of the bolt, and just like when you're ready to rock and roll, just like let the bolt go. It's uncontrollable, and it'll fire out a battery, and it might blow up. <laughs> oh, but it's, but it's easily convertible. Easily convertible. We just weld this little dimple to the bolt face, and it blew up on us, but it did fire three shots in rapid succession. Like there is, yeah. there's no, there's no kick, uh, uh, way in on this. It's just, yeah. I'll stop there. Okay. <laughs> All right. What, what's the next thing we got? Ultimate twenty-two long rifle AR upper bundle. It's kind of five. It's kind of interesting. With yeah. Five thousand rounds. Yeah. Selling this. Uh, this is uh, Spectre Ballistics. They uh, uh, they're out of Edmonton here. I met the guy a couple times, and it, it, it's kind of a neat deal. It's a a Kiapa M twenty-two. Uh, upper, upper and a couple of mags uh, at five thousand rounds of twenty-two LR, uh, a, a, a tw- ten, tw- uh, ten round uh, drum for it, uh, a brake, some oil, some cleaner, all this stuff for like uh, uh, six ninety, six hundred eighty-nine yeah. bucks. Yeah, regularly hmm. seven hundred dollars, so seven hundred ninety-nine ninety-four. So why is the why is the drum mag blocked to ten? <sighs> I don't know about that. Uh, I'm not sure which uh, which pattern magazine they use on the. Kappa. Well, it's going to fit in an air lower, right? Right, but it's an air lower. It's a mag that goes in an air lower, but it's a mag designed for 22. So the law says it's not what you can fit in of the caliber that it was designed. It's not what you can fit in of a caliber it wasn't designed for. It's how much you can fit in for the caliber it was designed for. Now this is designed for 22 in a rifle normally chambered in 223, but there's no mag capacity on semi-auto 22s unless of course it's a 1022 and the yeah, it's whole a charger 10, pistol. It's a 1022. I'm just, sorry, I'm just looking at Black Dog Machine and it looks like their uh, their drum mags are on 1022. I don't know how the, if that if that's what the uh, Kappa uh, upper uses, but uh, that's one possibility. Mm. Well, this mag is for twenty is for an air lower. Mm. The upper no. is a Kappa M422 Gen 2 Pro, complete with bolt carrier group and 100% free floated heavy barrel. This flat top upper is ready for optics and irons. It's meant for an air. It says practice with your air. For a fraction of the price. So hmm. this particular magazine goes into an AR. You know, like, 
So I've got AR conversion kits, or 22 conversion kit for my AR, okay? Yep. The magazines for that conversion kit are full 30 round. They're made by CMG or something like that. And there's no limit on the semi-auto 22. Right. So why would they, why would this drum be? 10 of, yeah. Yeah, like if you're gonna if you're gonna restrict it, restrict it to five, because if you're trying to use some kind of logic here, a semi-auto long gun is five rounds, but there's no limit on a twenty on a rim fire, so why block it to ten? Why not go for the full fifty? I don't know. I don't know. Must be a good reason. Anyways, that's <laughs> <Yeah>, okay. Right. <laughs> All right. Next thing, Terran Tactical. Yeah, so uh, uh, if you're looking for base pads, which I was for my Glock uh, just recently here, but I couldn't find any locally, uh, Crafum, I think this yep. is what we're, how we're calling it. Crafum has... C-R-A-F-M. Crafum. Crafum. They're out of Montreal. Yeah. They've got some Terran Tactical Glock base pads. So if you're looking for something to add some weight and a little bit of distance to the bottom of your... Glock mags, if you've added on, a, say, like a Glock, uh, a magwell to your Glock, uh, this is going to make it a lot easier to pop those in. Yep. And the extra yep. weight makes a huge difference in uh, uh, in dropping them out. Uh, the next All one right. we have is uh, kind of interesting. So uh, I, I haven't seen many of these. Uh, Cabela's has a sale on these uh, Bushmaster QRC quick response carbines with uh, a mini red dot on them. They've got them on sale for... Seven forty nine with a rebate, so Jesus, pretty inexpensive uh, rifle. Like we've seen the uh, MMP Sport uh, for for a pretty decent price. This is also a pretty decent price for a Bushmaster yep. rifle with a red dot on it. I love. Okay, so Bush was the best salesman. Not Bush, sorry. Obama was the best salesman in the United for guns. Mm-hmm. Yep. he sold more guns in the United States than any president ever. Right. Yes. Guns. I mean, when he first got in, you you were paying four hundred and fifty dollars for an AR fifteen lower because yep. the panic was on. All right, and then yep. the gun market got flooded because everybody was buying, buying, buying. I need to buy in case they take it away. I need to, I need to have it so I'm quote unquote grandfathered in in case they don't knock on my door and actually ask for it. Now that Trump is in, the market is flooded and prices are falling. Yep. yep. Remington just laid off a bunch of big wigs because they can't afford them anymore cuz there's the, the uh, did you see the Cabela's flyer that filthy posted today? Yep. I've got, so I've I've got a I've got that sale coming up here pretty quick. So Perfect. let's let's get onto that one. Uh so anyways, Cabela's has some really cheap AR15s. Uh this next one is really interesting to me. MDT's launched their 10 round metal mags. So MDT sold polymer AICS mags before. Um, they would have troubles like getting that ninth and tenth round in because they would just flex a little bit. Uh, now they've got some metal ones, so like a double stack kind of a, a feed, and they'll do 308, 65 Creed, more of that kind of thing. Uh, they got five rounders and ten rounders for sixty five and sixty nine dollars, uh, which oh, here wow. in, which here in Canada is is a is a, a really good deal. So good price, yeah, yeah, it you, is. If you're into my, sniper stuff uh, with PRS or something like that, you may have an AS, uh, a rifle that takes EICS style mags, and these ones are very reasonably priced. Well, that's what my um, my mag in my MDT Tac Twenty One is an Accuracy International mag, and it was a hundred bucks. Mm-hmm. 
So now MDT's making their own. Nice. Yeah, yeah. Very reasonable price. Yeah. Uh, speaking of reasonable prices, uh, SFRC has PRVI 223 on yeah. for 409 per thousand. They said that, okay, this doesn't this doesn't apply for free shipping. Otherwise, I would have bought some. Kelly, you're, you tell me you're buying some of this. Do you want me to buy some? Ah, not with the shipping, though. <laughs> I was just going to say, do you want me to buy some? Yeah. Send me the money. $400? Oh, I'd, I'd buy like $3,000. If, if this was in Edmonton, I'd have bought yep. 3000 of this stuff because $409 for like basic blaster 223 ammo is excellent. Yeah. Well, that's pretty much what X-Metal sells their ammo for for 1,000 rounds. Snuffleupagus just walked out of here with 1,000 rounds of... Metal two two three for four hundred and nine dollars per thousand. Right around there, yep. I can mm. look it up right now. Hold on. Yeah, that's real reasonable. Most of the time, I'm looking at uh, like on sale. You'll see American yep. Eagle or uh, uh, what do I got here that I've got for cheap PMC uh, on for right around four sixty per thousand. So four oh nine for per thousand is an excellent deal. That's really good deal. For yeah. 40 cents a round. Like, why would you reload? Why in, in on earth would you reload for basic blaster ammo when you can buy it for 40 cents per? It's just the time's not worth it. So, yeah, 445 is what X Men all wants. That's pretty good. Yeah. That's not bad. Yeah. yeah. That's every day. Yeah. Not just special sale. There's only what, what, 22. This is 24% off. So, yeah. I mean, yeah, it's on sale. 22, 22 units less left in stock. They'll be gone right away. Like, this is such a right. good deal. 22,000 22, will be gone quick. Yeah, they'll be gone by the weekend. Yep. Cool. Uh, finally, uh, the next one we have up here. Yeah, Remington's got a $100 coupon on their RP9. So their RP9 is selling for, like, Wolverine has them for three ninety nine. Plus, yep. there's a hundred dollars off, so you can get a Remington RP9 for two ninety nine. That's that's like less than it cost it. Like you can't get a Nork for that price. You cannot get a right. Norinco pistol for two ninety nine. Yeah. So yeah, don't throw your money away. On the Norinco or the Remington? What are you trying to say? The here? Remington. <laughs> I was, I was gonna ask too. Oh, like, Remington just. Uh, they can't get it together. They had the, what was the one that they had that failed so miserably oh, last the R50, year? R51. Yeah, the R51. Instead of fixing the R51, which, you know, they're supposed to be new guns, da, 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 they come up with this RP9 to kind of make us all forget about the R51. And the RP9 is also junk. And now they're just like, let's give them away. Yeah. Have you guys helped one? Prices. No. The... I helped with the Calgary Shooting hmm. Center. Yeah. And I looked at the back of it, the way the slide fits the frame, just yuck. Yuck? Yuck. Okay. Is that a technical term? <laughs> well, it's not like flipperosity or gription, but it's pretty technical. The yuck is way up there. <laughs> yep. Speaking of what, furlough achieving, right? Yes. That's That's officially in the Urban Dictionary. Yes, thank you to your boyfriend for making that happen. <laughs> and Jewel was bragging about not getting out of bed till 1 o'clock in the afternoon having breakfast at one thirty or something like that. I told her she, that she was furlough-achieving. <laughs> furlough-achieving, for those of you who don't know, means overachieving at underachieving. Underachieving. 
Sweet. You're yes. welcome. <laughs> yeah. So there's there's some good good sales on stuff this week. If uh... <laughs> well, Cabela's the Cabela's flyer. They've got a muddy girl camo. Uh, Savage bolt action rifle for 350 bucks. They've got Norks on for just over 300 bucks. They've got yep. the RP9 on, and they also have a Sig P250 on for like 400 bucks. Yep. Yeah, Trump. That, that Thank you, Trump. <laughs> that 250 is such a good. Like, I hate that trigger on the 250, but uh, it's a it's a neat like for 400 bucks. Oh man. Oh yeah. Wonderful gun for four hundred bucks. Wonderful gun. I don't like the trigger either. Like I like I I understand the reason behind the double action only trigger. It's it's a good carry gun trigger. It's a good duty gun trigger. The RCMP carry a double action gun. You know, there's a lot of there's a lot of adrenaline going. There's a lot of craziness happening. Your finger gets on the trigger. Well, you don't want to hear trigger. You want a very deliberate trigger pull. And that's why these guns have the triggers that they have. I don't like them, but I'm a competition shooter. I get them. I understand mm-hmm. them. And that's a lot of gun for four hundred bucks. Yeah, it's yeah, it crazy. Is. Yeah, excellent gun for four hundred bucks. I'm just looking it really at, is. I'm looking they through work. the Cabela's They're, flyer, see if there's anything I'm missing here. There you go. No, no, the Sig P250. It, it goes bang every time. It's not striker fired, so you can hit it with the back of a hammer. You hit it in the back with a hammer all you want. It's not going to fire. You can drop it. It's not going to fire. I thought you said right? it was hammer fired though. No, the, no, no, no. The Sig P250 is. Uh, uh, I Hit see it with a hammer. I yeah. see what you did there. Uh, yeah. Let's move on. <laughs> All right. All right. Ready for the main topic? Sure. Yeah. So for this week, we thought we would talk about ways of introducing new people into shooting. And then specifically, we thought we would... Uh, Talk about the differences between introducing an adult and introducing a child. And they are different animals. And the approach that you take, the the language that you use, the amount of time that you spend with them, the type of firearm that you choose, all of these things should probably, mostly, I guess, okay, be different. So um, Kelly, in the last couple of years, last year for sure, has a ton of experience introducing children to firearms. Now, Mm -hmm. you may not be the one to introduce them to firearms. They may have been introduced to firearms by their parents or family members or whatever. But you certainly have a lot of experience getting those kids to shoot those firearms. So you've learned a lot. So we'll we'll pick your brain about that. Adriel and myself, uh, we've got a less experience with children and more experience with, with adults. Um, yeah. And you also have a lot of experience with adults, but you're, you're going to talk about the kids because you've got more experience teaching kids now than, than either of us do. So, Gee, um, <laughs> all right. Hey, you asked for it. You're, you're, the, you're the queen. <laughs> all right. So, um, all right. So let's start with, um, we'll give you a second and collect your thoughts. Maybe and Adriel and I'll get started with, well, Adriel's is leaving. So I guess I'm on my own here. <laughs> Okay. It's main topic, BRB. Right. You BRB <laughs> away somewhere then. Kelly and I got this. Thanks. We, right. we do. Yeah. Okay. Kids. So, what are they? Go. Go. <laughs> Best way to introduce new people to shooting. Um, well, Snuffleupagus, who was here, for example, created an animal of him. But I did something with him that you should probably not do. And that is don't spend too much time during the first range session okay because 
if the person uh, leaves on a tired, bored, cold, hungry, sore note, then they tend to carry that away more than the fun they had. So when introducing someone new to firearms, keep it short, keep it simple, keep it sweet. What else? Uh, yeah, that's exactly it. Figure out what they want to do, whether it's a rifle or pistol, and don't overwhelm them. Mm -hmm. that's yeah, that's a good idea too, Kelly. Don't bring a whole flood of guns and um, overwhelm them. Ask them ahead of time, what do you think you would like to shoot? Because I had somebody, you know, take me shooting. Okay, what do you want to shoot? Well, I don't know. I never shot anything before. So that's how the conversation started. We had to right. narrow it down, right? right. Um, don't you so many YouTube videos out there where I would just like to throat punch the person who <laughs> yeah, I did know what this. you're gonna say. Yeah. Go ahead. They take someone out who's never fired a firearm before and they put yep. a large caliber in their hands that has excessive recoil, whether it be a big handgun or a big rifle, and the person basically gets injured and has a terrible experience and is now all you now you made that person afraid of guns. Correct. So way to go. So That's you got to kind of know your audience, what they can handle, what they're ready for. I've got, so last week after the podcast, uh, we recorded, what was it? Was it Friday last? We recorded on a Friday, right? Yep. yep. So yes. there was a house party going on. And when the show was over, um, some people wanted to see my gun room. And I had a self-described bleeding heart liberal in my room, scared of guns. Hmm. And we had all kinds of conversations about laws and, you know, and all that stuff. And he wants me to take him to the range. But okay. he admits he admits he's scared to death right, right off of the bat. So what am I going to do? I'm going to sit him down at the bench. going to get him off of his feet. I'm going to have him controlled. He's going to be sitting on a bench. If you're sitting down, you are less likely to turn around with a firearm in your hands and muzzle people. If he's sitting down right. and I'm standing over him... I'm I'm much more I'm in a much better position to control his movement with that firearm, um, and I'm going to start him with a 22, and maybe that's all we'll do. We'll keep it short, we'll keep it simple, and uh, and try and try and keep it fun. So, Adriel, we've talked about don't go too big, too fast, don't overwhelm them with a whole pile of guns, and keep the first range session short and sweet. This is adults we're talking right now. What is something else that you think is, is something good that you, what's a good way to introduce a new person to guns? Uh, you know, I, I really like the variety. Um, so I like to get in, yes, 22, start them on 22. And a ton of people, when they're done the whole range session, they're like, 22, that's my favorite. It was accurate. It was light. The recoil wasn't bad. I really like the 22. I could, I could see buying one of those. Um, okay. But then other people, uh, especially people who get the knack of shooting clays, Really love that. And they're like, I got to get a shotgun. Shooting clays is the best. Uh, and then you had other people that you get them on an AR-15 or a, a precision rifle or something like that. And they're like, nope, that's my jam right there. So I, just a little bit of variety is uh, is always nice. Uh, a lot of people that I took out just over the weekend here uh, really like the red dot on the AR. They're like, that was yep. easy. I like the red dot. The AR was nice to shoot. It was accurate. I could shoot things at 100 yards. That was fantastic. And uh, uh, so, you know, different strokes for different folks. I think people uh, want to shoot the guns that they've heard of, like AR-15, Glock, that kind of thing. 
uh, but ultimately like a really good selection of different things to try. Uh, and then, you know, I've, I've had some people out were like, no, the Mosin, Mosin Nagant. I've, I, I shot one of those in this video game and I got to try one of those. I, it's, it's got a design that's over a hundred years old. Like get hook me up with that thing. <laughs> so yep. it's yeah. Very, like, and then before they squeeze off the first round, you look at it and say, remember you asked for this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You're shooting prone, right? No. <laughs> No, I mean, uh, I, I let people know what's what's coming, and it's like uh, the, the AR. It's like this thing does not recoil a lot. It has a, a loud muzzle blast because it's a it's got a break yep. on there. But you'll find that the recoil is very light. It's not going to hurt you, um, and I ensure that uh, uh, people have uh, a good shoulder contact with the butt on uh, on anything that's going to kick because I want them mm-hmm. to enjoy it. Right. I don't want them to get beat up by it. And, uh, you know, you can't get that if, if you let the, the gun take a running start into their shoulder. Yeah. Right. Remembering to have them hold it tight will make a huge difference. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. And the other thing, too, that I have difficult time remembering, and, and you guys and the listeners will not find this difficult to believe, is not over-talking. I, I love, <laughs> I love yeah. to talk about the gun. I love to talk about the shooting, and I talk, and I talk, and I talk, and I talk, and... Look, don't overwhelm them with technical jargon and trying to impress them with all of your uh, wonderful knowledge of firearms and shooting technique and then just give them basic safety rules and let them get shooting. They're mm-hmm. there to shoot the gun, not to not to be impressed by all of your knowledge. Shut up, let them shoot. I've I've always thought that you do that really well. Like I've seen you instruct people and uh and and really focus on just one thing at a time. You see someone shoot and you're like, mm, let's try this one thing. So I've always thought that uh, uh, you do a good job of just approaching things one step at a time. Yes, there's 20 things wrong that that person's doing, but you always pick the one that's right. going to make the most difference for them uh, at that time, right? And then, yeah, maybe when I'm standing right. on the line in a course and yeah. I've got my instructor hat on, but if I just take a new person to the range, sometimes I got to really, mm. you know. Yeah. 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 So, and just throwing this out there too, something I do with a brand new shooter, uh, who I, I, again, I never assume their competence. I assume that they're dangerous and they're going to hurt me and hurt somebody else. That's what, that's the level I operate at. So what do I do when I give them a semi-automatic? I put one round in the magazine. Yep. Because, so, so go ahead, Kelly. I was just going to say, give them one. Then to let them feel it, give them two so that they can see it um, cycle and then give them five uh, so that they can see how accurate they are. Yeah, I don't even give them that's there's nothing wrong with that. That approach is is sound. The reason why I give them one is if they frack up after they squeeze that first one off and turn around or drop the gun, it's a paperweight. Right. Mm -hmm. All right. I want to see. Want to see how they're going to react after the first one? If they're going to get all excited and and forget and lose composure and turn around or wet themselves or you know, <laughs> so. One of the things that I would suggest is don't take your partner. Have somebody else take your partner. They'll have a much better time. <laughs> uh, well, that's just good life that. advice. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, and also parents and children. Absolutely. Some parents, some parents can mm. teach some kids, and some kids, you know. Don't take uh, the kids. Yeah. 
sometimes parents else. need to stay away from their children and just like like I tried to teach my fiance how to drive a standard one time. We wrote testing <laughs> test test driving cars. <laughs> it was it was gonna be her first brand new car. She had never driven standard before. Yeah. Let's just say when I returned the car to the dealership I was alone. <laughs> <laughs> Good, eh? Yeah, yeah. Like uh, I hated her so much. You have no idea. Oh, my my two buddies. We have a deal. Like we teach each other's wives. We'd never do it like directly. It will. We'll say the same thing, but it's like no. That dynamic is is very different. You need yeah. to have someone else deliver that message. The yeah. other thing that a couple other things I would suggest is is don't take them to the range when it's very very busy. Yeah, uh, if you can people, help that. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. People are subconscious, right? Especially yeah. if they're new. They want to make sure that they do everything right or they just get nervous. They could also be a little bit dangerous as well. Make sure that you take lots of breaks and positive feedback as well. Mm. Uh, even if they are they can't hit the broad side of a barn, you know what? A little bit of positive feedback will keep them engaged and keep them motivated. Um, what else do I normally there's, do? I, there's always I'll something that they're doing right. So there's yep. always something to like give them kudos on, right? Oh, that trigger pull was really good. Oh, your yep. grip is looking excellent there. Even <laughs> yeah, even if they're not hitting stuff, it's it's those small things that they're like, okay, that's good. Now I'm going to work on the next thing, get a little bit of confidence. And right. uh, yeah, it, it, it really helps. And on that note... I was just going to say, Let's yes. make it obtainable. Don't yeah. give them something that's too difficult to achieve the first time. Bring the target in close. Give them a reactive target. Give them a water bottle. Give them Perfect. a balloon. Give them steel they can knock over. Give them something that they actually can make the connection between what I'm doing and what's happening downrange. I caused that water bottle to explode. I caused the balloon to pop. I knocked over that steel plate. There's immediate reinforcement of what's happening if you're just punching mm -hmm. holes in paper and they have a short attention span you gotta shoot five rounds and then wait for a ceasefire to check your target Neh. so if you have a free-for-all exactly. kind of range where you're treated like adults and you can go there and set up steel or set up water and clean it up when you're done like yeah that's that's ideal Mm -hmm. Yep. So reactive targets are huge for engagement, like those flapjacks. I wish uh, that you matador took it right out of my mouth. I was going to plug the matador. You don't plug the matador. I plug the matador. Anyways, <laughs> they're yeah. awesome. Just love uh, them. Yeah. I love them for kids. I love them for adults too, because they're reactive. People see them right away, right? They spin. But the other thing is, you were talking about it a little just a few minutes ago, but the red dot. Give them something that they can aim at and they know they can hit. And as long as they know they're hitting something, they're going to keep continuing to hit it. Set them up for success from the beginning. Don't, you know, so here's an iron sights and they can't even see if they hit it, right? It's all about, that's one of the things I suggest too for kids. If you're going to take the kids to the range, set them up with a rifle that's going to fit them. Uh, give them an optic at first. I know that it's great to teach them to shoot iron sights, but if you want to, yeah, if you want to give them the fundamentals, give them the opportunity to see what they're hitting so that they can be engaged and they can continue and then they can build on those skills and use the iron sights. So yeah, it's all about continuation, right? The rifle will fit them, all kinds of different things. Keep One of the other things too is I've been finding that a lot more people are coming and they're struggling, and one of the things, or they have been struggling, it, it hasn't been their first time at the range, maybe it's their second or third, and then we figure out their cross-eyed dominant. 
just do a quick test to see, you know, if they're right-handed or left-handed and which eye they're seeing out of. It's it's easy to do. Yeah, I noticed that with um, our 22 Kids program. Yeah. Uh, my coaching experience has taught me how to determine eye dominance and how to recognize people struggling with it and stuff. But a lot of the volunteers on the line don't have any training. They're just there making right. sure that the guns are pointed down range. You see a kid sitting on the bench with a twenty-two yep. with iron sights. It's a right. It's on his. It, he he's using his right hand. The gun is on her right shoulder. And next thing you know, they got their head leaned way way, way over. over. They're yep. trying to use their left eye, and they're they're doing it on. They're subconsciously doing it. They they don't know that they're supposed to get a cheek well they just know that this is the eye my brain wants me to look with and the yeah. head is way out of position so that's when you start bringing out the eye patches if necessary right. or switch the rifle on the other shoulder so yeah for a new person kelly that would uh recognizing that right away is going to alleviate a whole pile of frustration yep. and they're going to hit what they're what they're aiming at because they're gonna, they're, if they're not hitting it and they don't know it's a, not, a cross-eye dominance problem, then they're 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 not understanding why they're not hitting, and that's frustrating. And yep. then they may just, you know, and we have a tendency to stay in our own comfort zones. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you when you get a new person to the range who has zero experience, try and introduce them to shooting. Don't try and introduce them to your style of shooting necessarily. Not everyone wants to be an Ipsic shooter. Not everyone wants to be a trap shooter. I know maybe trap is what you know, but maybe trap is not for them. So try and keep that in mind, right? Maybe right. what you do is not what they want to do. There's 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 a whole world of shooting outside of Ipsic. There's a whole world of shooting outside of Maple Seed, Three Gun, you know. Yep. Try and no try and find out what their no. interest is. There's no. no world outside of three gun because <laughs> all three are in it. Yeah. What more do you want? It's all here. It's the universe. <laughs> we got it all. Yeah. So why don't we talk about kids now? All right. A lot of it applies to kids. What we said, you know, attention span, but let's talk about some of the things that specifically you want to keep in mind when introducing children to shooting. Right. So one of the things you do need to keep in mind is the fact that kids are smaller in stature they're they're they don't have this muscle or the strength to hold up rifles and also to uh, ensure that the flipperosity uh, is you know they're with pistols um, so you have to be really cognizant of them um, the fact that they're going to get tired a lot faster uh, they don't have the strength to to hold uh, their hands in the positions for long periods of time um, so yeah just, uh, short periods of time training. Again, be very, very encouraging of them because if they can even just see one hit, so the reactive targets like the flapjacks, that's why we use them, they're going to be super engaged and uh, and wanting to continue shooting. And that's what we saw recently during one of our shoots. It was pouring down rain. They wanted to continue shooting because they were seeing that they were actually having success. As I said, optics, great idea. Children... It's- Children want to um, please people. And when you are speaking to a child, the child may not have two clues what you're saying Mm -hmm. because you're talking over their head. You're using language that they're not familiar with. Your figures of speech may be lost on them. And you will look at them and they will smile and nod. 
and you're trying to read their body language to see if they understand you, you need to quote unquote dumb it down. Very you simple. Need to terms. speak to children like their children. Yes, use simple terminology and check for understanding. And a good and and don't when I say check for understanding, don't look at them and say, "Do you understand me?" Because they will just say yes. Right. You have to you have to tell them. You have to have them explain to you what they just what you just explained to them. If they can tell it back to you, that means they understand it. So it would be something like, "Okay, Kelly. Now, in your words, tell me what it is you think I'm asking you to do." Right. And if Kelly knows what I'm asking her to do. She will be able to repeat it back to me, and you'll know right off the bat whether they get it. Yeah, because if you ask yeah. a kid yes or no, you can get yes or no's all day. But yes or no's are just like a parrot; they're just repeating. Right. Ask them. Tell me what it is you think I'm asking you to do. That is checking right. for understanding. If they can, if they can say in their words, "Well, Trevor, what I think you want me to do is move my left foot back." So I'll be balanced more better. I'm not going to get pushed around by the gun as much. Or I think I think you want me to put my chin bone on the top of the stock. No, no, not your chin bone. Your cheekbone. This bone right here. Don't touch them either. Don't touch right. them. <laughs> try. And, yeah, go ahead. I was just going to say, and try to do it in a fun way. Try to make it in terms that they can relate to. For example, like video games or... I don't know, Barney, <laughs> but just try and make it fun for them. So terms that they will understand as well. Mm. It's easier Kids don't for watch them. Barney anymore. Just PS. <laughs> Thank you. Thank God. <laughs> I coached a, uh, a girl in archery. She was awesome. She was like nine, 10 years old, took her to nationals, to go to nationals and stuff. And it's important fun. Yes. You can't train all the time. You have to, you can make training fun, right? Yes, you can. And, and so, you can still shoot with perfect form, but you don't always have to be shooting for score. You can shoot fun things. And she would print out at home pictures of Barney, color yep. them, bring them to the range, and shoot the snot out of Barney. I love this kid. <laughs> yeah. If I could have had a daughter, it would have been her. She was so funny, so fun. Uh, so she would whack Barney with her bow. It was amazing. Like Easter Bunny shoot. You know, shoot, you get like put stickers on the butt of Easter eggs and then the kids hit an Easter egg and you give them a chocolate Easter egg. Nope. Nope. She wanted to shoot the rabbit, the rabbit, shoot the bunny. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So. yeah. Make it fun. Make it engaging. Uh, reward them too. You can give them prizes. For example, we have targets like our arcade targets. Uh, they get to hit, you know, pigs, chickens, uh, stars, all kinds of things. And then they would earn points and get prizes. Yeah, so we're talking keep, about introducing people to shooting. Slow down. Yeah. <laughs> kind of. But the, what I'm talking about is making the targets fun and interesting, right? And reward the kids for um, even shooting well. Well, actually, everybody get a prize. Yeah, they did. They all got prizes. <laughs> yeah, see, this is where I didn't want you to go. Participation <laughs> awards for everyone. No. Your liberal they, is showing. They, they all did really well, and that's why they all got prizes, too. <laughs> But the other thing, too, is if you can, one-on-one. -on -one. So if the child, if there's a couple of children there and there's a couple well, it, of people it, that, uh, yeah. if there's, and that way there's more, you can pay attention 
to the child more, um, well, especially if there are. Yeah, we're talking about I mean, if you're going to introduce someone new to shooting, you're yeah. not going to have five kids there. Well, no, but you might have Almost. a couple of kids, right? Two I'm kids, thinking more like you're taking your, you're taking your nephew to the range, or okay. your neighbor wants you to teach their kid to shoot. Okay, so it it would be one on one. Ideally, yeah. yeah ideally, one one on one. You, well, that's you, a, yeah, yeah. Ideally, one on one. Yeah. Yeah, and again, small caliber, uh, single shot if you can, or single load. Yeah. Yep. So, again, and, go ahead. Uh, I would say you know double double plug the little kitties if you can because their yep. their little ears are growing and developing and yeah you want you want good hearing protection not just foamies get make sure that the children's ears are protected and they've got because you can even though you've got a foamy in your ear there's still sound vibrating off their tender little skulls around their ears like get some good good hearing protection that covers all of the ear and outside of the ear and stuff. Keep that in mind. They're, they're growing and developing and we don't need to make them deaf before it's too soon. (laughs) Too soon. And keep it, keep it short. Don't keep it. Don't keep a kid at the range until again, they're tired, hungry, cranky. Children often have short attention spans. Not unlike some of the adults on this show. And, uh, Yes. Squirrel. Yeah, like you. Yes. Make sure you dress for the weather as well. Mm. As well as sunny weather to cover up. That's one of the things we we were seeing too. Kids in flip flops, t shirts and or yeah, shorts. Expected to be in the sun all day. Yeah. 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 So and also eat. Make sure that they have send them with some snacks, water. Yeah, I'll see, I don't think so. You're not if you're introducing a new person is shooting yep. if you're at the range long enough you have to eat you've been there too long you're half thinking, an hour hey, they you, still you, need they still need to eat a child can go 30 minutes without eating kelly <laughs> and without barely praise, barely and without no more <laughs> yeah but actually you know what 30 minutes to an hour probably max tops. Yeah. yeah for to introduce a new child to shooting who's never shot before so it's enough to keep the, pique their interest, keep them engaged, and send them home on a high note. Yes, wanting more. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Cool. All right. Are we forgetting anything? Oh, sure. Sure. Of course, we, we probably are. are. But you know what? People will write in and tell us what they do. Yes. I'm just going to say, listeners, if you have any stories you'd like to share about successes or failures of taking new people to the range, of course, we would all love to hear about it. So. Send uh, send us uh, an email. And speaking of emails, let's transition into listener feedback. And I believe, Adriel, this one is basically addressed to you. Yes, it starts it, off It was Adriel. on my site, but he was talking about the podcast. So I thought we'd just like hit it up here because uh, I don't know if he's going to be back on there. Yeah, so uh, S. Williamson uh, was posting. I have a, a post on hunting with an SKS that's like pretty old. And then the rifle in the picture is like a gajillion years old. Anyways. Adriel, I know, I know it's an old post. Uh, if you're reading it, it must be worth adding to, right? Uh, do I detect a little style lifting from our YouTube Patreon friend Rifle Chair here with that snow white stock? Or perhaps he lifted the idea from you. Uh, join this discussion. I don't know who was first. Uh, maybe you can square up on the paint date and get back here and let us all in on it. Perhaps a quick mention on Slamfire. So that's the reason why I wanted to uh, just pull it up on Slamfire. He's talking about a paint job I did on an SKS. Uh, 2000 or 2001. 
Um, and I, I like this. <laughs> I did it based on a video game that I was playing. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. I was playing uh, Rogue Spear Rainbow Six back then, and there was an M14 in white, and I like really liked the look of it. And the SKS I <laughs> painted white too. But it's like it's a it's a com like we're in the frozen north here, so a white a white rifle is uh, is camo. <laughs> So like uh, uh, you know the the typical shotgun camo that you'll do is like uh, corn or or hay or something like that with some stalks in it, and uh, out here uh, snow works just fine for hunting season. Yeah, uh, yeah, and that's the only reason why I did that. It's it's a common thing to do. Lots of people do snow camo. Mm, you can buy snow camo. Yeah, I've got some wrap uh, that I use some years if I've got like a really dark gun. Uh, and then there's a ton of snow on the ground because it's uh, it's excellent uh, camo. I also have some uh, coveroverss, just like some really light cloth uh, jacket and pants that are just white, just pure white. Because if there's a ton of snow on the ground, I can sit on the ground, and unless you're like right on top of me, it, I just look like snow. So it's yeah. it's excellent camouflage. Adriel, have you heard of Palmetto State Armory? Are they Canadian? Uh, no, they're U.S. It's a it's a pretty uh, common uh, AR platform, uh, AR manufacturer. Yeah. Okay. Well, for our American listeners, right now, somebody just sent this to me. You can get a Vortex Spark AR red dot and ten Magpul P mags for one ninety nine. Really? It's cost of the optic mags oh, are free. Yeah, I just. Sometimes I wish these deals came up to us in Canada. Well, I guess the Remington RP9 one is, but I don't want to buy one of those. I would no, I'd buy the I'd red dot and 10 mags. Yeah. I guess 10 yeah. mags. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Okay. So that's our only email this week. Yep. All right. So listeners, you're slacking. You can send an email anytime you want, day or night, to slamfireradio at gmail.com. No iTunes reviews. Um, it's time for shout outs. I have a shout out to all of the Atlantic CCFR FOs. Um, there's a fun little Facebook conversation that I'm in on with some of them. So we chat pretty much every day. Cool bunch of guys. Um, to Snuffy, of course, for the new shotgun. Thank you very much. To Captain Andy and my co-hosts over at the Reloading Podcast, Mike for their help with getting me started on my slug reloading adventure. Thank you very much, guys. Hey, Adriel. Uh, yeah, I, I can't remember if I talked about it last week, but uh, to Chad for helping me with the uh, modeling for the uh, 3D printed uh, grips. I couldn't get things just right, and I had to reach out for help, and he, uh, he had the solution for me. Sweet. Yep. I can't wait to see that thing Cerakoted Glock Black. <laughs> Tenifer finish. Yes, that's what I meant. Kelly? I'm going to say hello to Jasmine. I just wanted to say hello. I was talking to him last night. He's super, super busy, but he's also thinking about becoming a field officer at some point. So Hmm. once he's not spending 16 hours a day on the road, then maybe he will help out with the CCFR. So just wanted to say hello. He listens too. I... um... I like that he that he's on the road because sometimes that means that he drives past my house on those roads and stays. He switched up his he switched up his company, so I don't know if he's going to oh, be doing that anymore. Yeah, oh, he's, that's too he's bad. doing the Montreal to Toronto all the time, but you never know; he might. Yeah, I liked it better when he did Montreal to Halifax. Mm. Oh well, 
Oh well. Um, Patreon supporters, we got a new one this week. Cody Y. So Cody Y, thank you for signing up. Patreonies, you should have got your new show by now. We just did one last Friday. Yes, we did. Yeah, so. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was a long one. Mm-hmm. That's what she said. <laughs> um, so, listeners, please, uh, as we say every week, we encourage you to join one of our national firearms associations. It's important to support those people who are supporting us. And then, of course, get out shooting, try different stuff. And check us out on GOC. That's the Gun Owners of Canada. Like us on Facebook because everything's a contest. And we're at 1,781. Until next week, everybody, uh, we encourage you to take someone new shooting. <laughs>